This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome to PowerPlay, a series which is part of The Straits Times Asian Insider podcast channel. I'm Carissa Yong, ST's US correspondent based in Washington. And I'm Danson Chung, ST's China correspondent based in Beijing. Every month, we've been looking at various facets of the US-China rivalry and its implications for Asia. Today, we're going to examine what else? The saga of the Chinese surveillance balloon that was spotted over central US, specifically Montana, which is home to intercontinental ballistic missile silos. The Biden administration has been unequivocal that it was a surveillance balloon for spying purposes, while China insists that it's a weather balloon that blew off course. It's fueled an outcry in Congress and been a subject of much public fascination. And after days in the stratosphere, it was finally shot down, and the US has been since examining the wreckage of the balloon. The episode has inflamed tensions between the two superpowers and led to the cancellation of Secretary of State Anthony Blinken's trip to Beijing, which was supposed to have built guardrails around US-China competition. Denson, we were discussing this earlier. I think your question was, spying between great powers happens all the time, so why are the Americans making such a big deal about it? Yeah, you know, as as somebody who's who's sitting outside America uh, in Beijing, it does look like there are people in the administration who who don't want uh, relations to improve. Like you mentioned, you know, this episode uh, happened a week before Blinken was due to visit Beijing, and from the signs of it, you know, this was a visit that that China was really looking forward to. You know, if you just look at the rhetoric from Chinese diplomats and editorials in in state media, you know, you had the new Chinese Foreign Minister Qin Kang saying he wanted to develop. Uh, relations further, and you know the People's Daily ran a series of editorials on cooperation, and, and you know criticizing decoupling and so on and so forth. You know, so while it was unlikely that this visit would lead to big breakthroughs, both sides there were analysts and, and experts saying that you know the meeting would, would put a floor underneath uh, deteriorating relations, so to speak. So I think it was quite alarming to the Chinese that you know with all that at stake, this balloon got Americans all up in arms. You know, Chinese experts were pointing to to American media reports and, and politicians saying that they were enlarging, uh, you know, in their words, sort of hyping up the threat from the balloon. Uh, and it was just further proof that this anti-China sentiment is very deep-rooted and basically going to force the administration to take very hard measures against China, whatever happens, and as it eventually did. But Chris, you know, could you take us through why Biden decided to do what he did, both cancel the Blinken visit and shoot down this balloon? Well, there were two main things Biden is constrained by and was constrained by. Firstly, the need to send a signal to China, and secondly, domestic politics. So one's a bit more external, and the other one's a bit more internal. So the balloon violated U.S. airspace. So as Scott Kennedy of CSIS says, Washington couldn't let China escape any penalties for misbehavior that threatens U.S. national security. Because otherwise, to the U.S., that would teach Beijing that it can do the same thing again without any cost. And by delaying the trip, the U.S. can avoid looking as if it allowed China to act with impunity and then rewarded them for it, as the Eurasia Group said. So it's basically the same dynamic behind calls to cancel summits with world leaders like Kim Jong-un or Putin, but with an added imperative that the U.S. was directly affronted by this balloon incident. And secondly, domestic politics. The Republican outcry was so strong, and there were such strong misgivings among the Democrats as well, and, you know, even now, many Republicans are criticizing Biden for not shooting the balloon down sooner. Yeah. You, you know, why didn't he, you know, if this balloon was such a big deal? Well, I'm sure there was much deliberation, but the Biden administration said that there were concerns over falling debris, so they couldn't shoot it down over land. And it also said that it didn't present a physical military threat and that its overflight over the U.S. was of intelligence value. So now that begged the question, you know, why wasn't the balloon shot down right when it entered U.S. airspace in Alaska? But then officials said that it would have been difficult to retrieve the balloon there. 
In response, there were questions about why the balloon wasn't shot down right when it entered U.S. airspace in Alaska, although officials said it would have been difficult to retrieve the balloon if it had been shot down there. But all things considered, I think the calculation in the administration was that he had to postpone the trip. You know, he couldn't look soft on China, either to the Chinese or to Americans at home. And I do think it's notable that the trip wasn't cancelled technically, you know, it's just postponed indefinitely. So Denson, some have called China's response to the balloon conciliatory. You know, do you agree with that assessment? And is China signaling that it wants to move on and get diplomacy back on track? I think you're right in, in saying that China was, was seemed to be an unusually conciliatory towards the US with regard, you know, to this this whole incident. While everybody, you know, has just been calling this thing a spy balloon, China has been calling it an unmanned civilian airship you know, used to monitor the weather. They've issued a statement of regret saying that they regret the unintended entry of the balloon into US airspace because of westerly winds and and due to this uh, sort of concept called uh, force majeure, meaning, you know, it was not in their control, more like an act of God. So there's this kind of consensus in China that the US has overreacted since from China's telling, it's not PLA balloon, you know, it's just a civilian balloon used to monitor the weather. So after the US shot the balloon down, the rhetoric from China has hardened. Uh, but there's still the sense that China is being quite restrained. Beyond saying that they reserve the right to respond to the shooting down of the balloon, China hasn't done anything concrete. Actually, in the US, there's a view that America may not have reacted strongly enough. But I think that speaks to an almost sort of hysteria that's dangerous for US-China relations. You know, you had lawmakers calling it a threat to American sovereignty, calling the Chinese government calculative. You know, many used this episode as a chance to confirm their worst suspicions about baiting. That's it. The optics of the balloon episode coming right before the Blinken visit really was unfortunate. Both governments, as you said, were signaling that they wanted the visit to happen, and they were hopeful that the biden C meeting last November could have nudged both of them towards a slight detente. And in any case, the Blinken visit would have helped manage US-China competition and help prevent it from derailing into conflict. Instead of that now, instead of Blinken capitalizing on this window of opportunity, We'll probably have House Speaker Kevin McCarthy leading a large delegation of lawmakers to visit Taiwan in spring. And China will react to that. So Denson, how exactly is China signaling that it wants to move on? Well, first of all, the Chinese Foreign Ministry has said, you know, the US needs to remain calm. And I think if you look at the Chinese rhetoric so far, statement of regret, the, the almost conciliatory tone it's taken. I mean, you know, say what you want about whether the, the entry of the balloon was accidental or not. I think one thing that's for sure is, is that China didn't expect it to derail the meeting with Blinken you know, and relations as it did. Going to Blinken's visit, it's clear China has a lot to deal with domestically. The COVID recovery, trying to get its economy going again. So on the international front, the desire for stability, you know, and we've talked about this before, how China has been rebuilding relations with, with some US allies. So you know, the fact that this incident has derailed efforts to stabilize the US-China relationship is not part of Beijing's plan. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode. Yeah, this saga, I think, illuminates a key aspect of US-China relations today. You know, this suspicion and mistrust with which both sides view each other and the little communication that they have with each other. The Pentagon said that China declined a request for a phone call between US Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin and his China counterpart Wei Fenghe. And the National Security Council also said that there isn't much military-to-military dialogue happening right now, and that Blinken's visit was supposed to help restore some of it. Sure, some are asking why China will want to speak after the US shoots down the balloon. 
But, you know, I'd say more communication is good. It really reduces the risk of miscalculation. Yeah, this saga, I think, for me, kind of drives home the point about how anti-China sentiment is, is very deeply entrenched on both sides of the political divide in the U.S. In fact, you know, some Chinese scholars are calling this the biggest impediment to the improvement of ties. So basically, public and political opinion in the U.S. is becoming so inflamed toward China that it kind of boxes in the administration when incidents like this happen. It effectively, you know, creates a climate where whatever administration is in power cannot be seen to be looking weak when it's dealing with China. So in a situation like this, you know, most Chinese scholars have a very grim assessment of the future of the relationship. You know, it just doesn't look good. Yeah, Congress's hawkishness towards China really will limit what Biden can do to stabilize the U.S.-China relationship. And here in D.C., Republicans and even some analysts are attributing the worst of intentions to China. But also if Xi hadn't ordered the balloon personally, he must have known about it, is how a lot of people are thinking. And whatever the case, it's a miscalculation on China's part. Because the effect it's had on the American public is really to bring U.S.-China competition home to the regular Joe here in a way that speeches in Congress haven't so far. A quote-unquote Chinese by balloon that you can see floating in the skies overhead can feel a bit more like a visceral threat, or it can be spun that way to inflame public opinion. But also China did send a balloon, and it did enter US airspace, so Beijing's not blameless either. Here's a fun fact. You know, because this incident happened, uh, we now know that this is not the first time that China has used balloons to spy on or intrude into uh, US airspace. The Pentagon, I think, said a couple of days ago that this is happened at least three times during the Trump administration. Yeah, and the Biden administration has now said that China has a whole balloon surveillance program that's been going on for years, and that the Montana balloon was part of a fleet that has surveyed 40 countries over five continents for years. So US officials say that China has targeted Japan, India, Vietnam, Taiwan, and the Philippines, among others. And the State Department has briefed some 150 diplomats from 40 countries in D.C., And it's also sent information for U.S. embassies abroad to share with allies and partners more about this program. So this isn't going to be the last we hear of it. Yeah, I definitely think so. Thanks, Denson. That nicely wraps up our chat. And on that note, PowerPlay will be going on a short hiatus, but we'll be back before long in a slightly different form. You've been listening to PowerPlay. I'm Carissa Yong. And I'm Denson Chong. Do check out our bylines in the Straits Times online. We also have links in our podcast text description below. That was a podcast by The Straits Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O.